take your lessons out. I knew how to pray, and if any of you in the last uh, number two, two years of going in the past that you know that I've talked a lot about this. Uh, when, when, I get, when you get into a spot and it's no longer just praying and saying prayers, it's a matter of like, God, I, I need to, if, there's, if I can fall at the feet of Jesus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick the door down and fall at the feet of Jesus. I, I need to be there. And I, I think of people that are passionately prayed in the Bible where Hannah prayed, give me children or what? Or let me die. I, ju- I just think of like there, there is now I lay me down to sleep prayers or, or the cliche, knock it out. I'm just going to say things. But there's another level when you get into the life of Jesus Christ and he started off his ministry going the 40 days and nights in the wilderness to fast and pray. And then he went out and faced the devil in that thing and then literally started casting out demons. 100% God and 100% man, but he still sought the Father. Before he went to the cross, he fell down on his face in that garden to pray to his heavenly Father. And do you think it was, do you, just think about this. Do you think when he prayed that it was, dear God, I come to you now and I hope I have a good day and I pray that you bless the cross tomorrow and bless the, you know, there, there was none of that. The Bible says that he, he went further from the disciples and he fell on his face being so burdened that as he was praying, the, the anguish that he was dealing with, he was, he, was, he was literally drops of blood from, and there's a scientific reason for all of that, of the anguish that his physical body was going through, through the burden that he was facing as he is pleading before the Father as he's about to take on the sins of humanity upon himself. It was not a lay, now I lay me down to sleep type prayer. And, and I, I, I feel like this is such a vital, important part of our lives. You're like, with faith, we can move mountains. But I feel like we can't even move pebbles with some of the shallowness of our prayer lives. And if revivals are started because people fell on their faces and and literally, the, the Spirit of God moved in such a way in times past that they, they would talk about people would like shut down the cities and they closed down the bars and people would line up outside of the, the, the churches and people would be falling on their faces, getting saved in the parking lots of the revivals of Billy Sunday and D.L. Moody and all these people before us. And you say, wow, what great men of God. No, they were just great men that knew a greater God. It wasn't a matter that they were just some sort of superheroes of the faith. They were just no different than you and I. So let me tell you, when, when this message that we're going to talk, I say message, there I am as Pastor Tony. <laughs> You're like, I thought this was the teaching. This lesson that we're going to teach tonight is, is so deep and so needed that I, I, I think that I, I don't know. I, just, I don't view this as just another night. So I gave you the terms. I gave you, we'll go through all these. Here's our memory verses, the importance of prayer, and the questions that we're going to ask. But the question is, if, if prayer is so important, such a vital part of our life, then why don't we do it more? Why, why in the world? If the Bible literally says that, you know, all the, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, if the Bible says, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, 
Why are we all not on our faces before an almighty God praying to where we get lost in prayer? We throw out the clock and we just get consumed with a craving to be in the presence of God and to seek the power of God for revival, not just for paying my bills, but, but a deeper craving to an almighty God of not just heal Logan, but Lord, stir our hearts and bring revival to, to the hearts of our church. To where we don't just have youth group, but we have teenagers that, that surrender to ministry and literally prepare the way for the gospel to be spread around the earth 20, 30 years from now. As a result of the revival and the move of God and the Spirit of God working in classes and in, in churches. But if we can go through a, a Sunday morning and it be dead and we can preach the gospel and not one person moves and falls at the, the, the altar and weeping for an almighty God. Or we don't have time where we just turn off the TV and we just shut down the house to pray to God. Then, then it's a matter of we don't, either we don't know how to pray or we don't believe that it really does anything. And, and I, I, I think this goes so much deeper because here we are invited into the presence of an almighty God. Invited to, to, to cry out, not, not from a distant God. But when, when, when there was so much distance and in the Old Testament, when, when it came to being in the presence of God and they had where they would wash their hands and wash their clothes and go into the, the outer uh, place of the tabernacle and then, then they couldn't go into the Holy of Holies and they'd have to wrap a rope around their feet and put a bell in case they died that they dragged their body out from being in the Shekinah glory presence of God. Then when Jesus died on the cross, he cried out, it is finished. You know why he said it was finished and he ripped the veil in half? No longer will I be a distant God because of sin, because sin was dealt with on the cross. Right. And that's why when we have verses that we might boldly go before the throne of grace, that we may obtain grace in the time of trouble, that, that literally means that I have access to literally walk into the presence of an almighty God. I, I, we believe in the priesthood of the believers, which literally means I don't have to go to a priest of Levi and ask them to go talk to my father. I am the priest. I have access to the father. I am a child of God. I, I, I don't cry out just Elohim God, creator of all things, hear my prayers. I don't just pray like that. Do you know how I pray? Do you know how I pray? Abba, Father, Dad, I need you. This is an important lesson, which literally I believe that if we would catch the heart and the spirit and the, 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 just the, 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 the invitation to come before God, that, that we could literally see revival break out at Fellowship Baptist Church. I really believe it. I believe that we would not just have song services, we would have worship services where we weep through the songs because we know what it's like to be in the presence of God. I believe that we wouldn't have to drag people to church, but the Spirit of God would work through us so richly that, 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 that we'd have to put out more chairs because there's so many people craving to be in the presence of God because something is real here, and it's not. Not Pastor Tony, it's not going to be the staff, it's not going to be the things that we do, but just because God is able to put his hands upon us because we understand what it means to seek the face of God, there is a difference. I, I, I really want to see God work. And in my prayer life, I've been praying that so hard. 
I am so consumed and burdened and convicted over the fact that prayer life used to be so a list to go before God of, uh, of I need this and I want this, but there's so much more to God than just treating God like he's a wish list. It, it's so much deeper than that. And I didn't fully understand this. Guys, honestly, if, if, if Logan would not have been diagnosed with cancer, I would not know what I'm talking about right now. I would not know. And I'm not coming to you trying to play on your emotions like he's just worked up because his son is sick. I am just understanding that when you get burdened and he's the only hope for your life, that you pursue God on a different level than you've ever pursued him before. And when we go through difficulties in life, there's a reason for it. There is a reason for it because sometimes you're not going to get on your knees until you have the pressure on you to drive you to your knees. But that's what I should have been doing all along. I needed to do that from the very beginning. That doesn't mean that I'm just asking God, just Lord, just bring revival and do something. I am passionately praying that I want to see God answer my son's prayers. I do. I want to see Logan healed. But maybe God had to put something on me so heavy to, to open my knees that how much that I needed to understand what prayer is truly about. So, can we just answer these questions? I, I want to challenge you as we get through this. For anybody that doesn't pray, and, and I'm, I'm pushing you, okay, this discipleship deep dive, when I cast this vision to the, to the staff and said that I want to do this, wherever you're at in your walk, I want to see you take steps forward. Whether that's giving, praying, serving, knowing, sharing your faith, don't stay where you're at. And I challenge you, if you... Or, or somebody that says, I don't pray, like in this group or whatever, and this is no judgment or whatever, but I would challenge you to push yourself further to understand, number one, you're in a family, and number two, you can't ever pray wrong. You, you can't ever pray wrong. Just like, I'm not going to pray because, well, I just don't have the words to say. Talk to him like you would talk to your best friend. Talk to him like you would talk to a parent. And that, that is, let me break this down. So what is prayer? Prayer is talking to God. But when we got into the foundation of prayer, we were talking about what prayer is. We, we, were, we, were, went into, we were talking about what everything is. It's a relationship. Why do you make things right when sin comes into your life? It's like, well, because you don't want to upset God. No, 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 because I have a relationship with God. And if I have a relationship with God, I'm going to make it right because I've offended an almighty God. Do you understand that if it is a relationship with God, and that's what this is all based about, prayer is about a relationship with God. Literally, you can't have a relationship with somebody without talking to them. So if you're going to grow in your faith, you've got to learn to talk to your father. He is our father. We are the children. And any relationship requires, it's not a suggestion. It's not a good idea, just a good idea. Any relationship requires communication. You, you can't walk with other people without, a, without communication. You can't grow in your walk with God without communication. So prayer is simply our communication between us and God. That's what it is. And if your prayer life is weak, your relationship with God is weak. If we're not seeing God work in our lives or work in our church, you say, well, it's God that does these things. And God says, yeah, now work through you and you don't even talk to me. 
If a couple came to me struggling in their marriage and saying, we're just not getting along or we don't see eye to eye on things, the first lesson that I'm going to teach them or go through is communication. And our communication with God goes both ways. And that's what we do this. Let's say, open your Bibles and study this. Well, we study the word of God. But let me tell you, God speaks to us because this is God-breathed. That's why we did the lesson of understanding all scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable. As God breathes truth out of his word to our hearts, we then have an opportunity to talk back to God and be able to share our hearts back to him. Prayer is a two-way communication. It's also, and I'm not going to leave this out, prayer is a way of asking for help. He said, let your requests be made known unto God. It's more than talking to God. If God is my help and my strength and my hope and my high tower and my all these other things that we know, the only way that you're going to have the hope, the peace, the, 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 all these things that we need in our God is to go ask him. And, and I think that's an important aspect of us to understand. The Bible says you have not because you what? You ask not. So it's not it's just God knows my heart. He does, but he wants you to communicate your heart. We need God, so we ask him. I, I thought of this story when Logan was little and a and, uh, little, little guy, and we lived at our old house on Falcon Bridge, and I, re, I remember like going down there, and he's getting dressed. We, Jenny would lay out all their clothes on Sunday morning so that they would have it to get up. Well, you know that, that transition period when they're like not, not, a, not a baby, but they're not a big boy yet, you know what I'm saying? And, and I went down there and said, let me help you get dressed. And he's like, Dad, I got this. I know how to get dressed. And he's just a little bitty toddler guy. Whatever. And then I said, Do you let me help you? Let me help you. And he's like, Oh, I got it. I got it. So I go to get ready. And then I heard this crying down the hallway. And he's literally caught up in his shirt, walking down the hallway like this, <laughs> put his head through the sleeve and, you know, whatever. And, and, and the, the whole thing is, it's if you would just ask me. And a lot of times we go to God to ask him when we get in trouble. But understanding that God is our strength of everything, you, you go to God before you get to the trouble. And that's the walk with God that we have is, I need you. Without me, you can do nothing. Prayer is also a way to worship God. The Bible says, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord God, our maker. Rejoice every morning. Pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of Christ, of Jesus concerning you. We, we sing and we'll worship God, but we pray to worship God. It's not just about communication. It's not just about asking Prayers about you just getting lost in the idea of you telling him who he is and thanking him for what he's done. I, I was cutting the grass yesterday, and, and, and I'm going to share some of these practical things, but I've learned that I'm easily distracted, and if I'm going to focus on prayer, I have to be able to tune other things out. And so I put in my AirPods, and, and I, I, I just cut the grass and I, and I pray a lot of times while I'm, while I'm cutting grass and doing those kind of things. It's just my, my time to zone the world out. And I pray for Logan. I pray for my family. I pray for my kids. And Jordan's out of town right now praying for his trip and things like that that he's doing. And then it just hit me. And I started thanking God for my kids. I, I started, thank you that I have a boy that's working and Logan's working like eight and ten hours a day right now. And sick and on chemo. And I, I've got a son that's not like just, I'm sick, so I'm going to just stay home and play video games. But he is working. And I'm like, God, thank you for Morgan. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my family. Start thinking and worshiping God for who he is and what he's done. And watch how you get caught up. Once you, you can't exhaust that list. So what do you pray about with that? 
Don't just make it, Lord, I need help with my bills and I need a new job and I need shoes for the kids and, and you can do all that. But you realize, let us come before the Lord God, our maker, and just thank him for what he's done. Start that list. You won't be able to stop thanking him for what he's done. Come before him with thanksgiving. Let me tell you this. Prayer is simply spending time with God. As our heavenly father, he wants time with you. We, we, we just keep this in mind. And, and just as the heavenly father, as a dad, let me tell you, I love spending time with my kids. And then I say, you know, that the thing with God, that's a great example for him to use. And God looks at me and says, no, that's a great example for you to use. It goes the other way. I'm following his example, not using prayer as the example of what he did. I, I, I got that drive and that love and that, that compassion to be with my kids because of him. He is my heavenly father. He delights in us. Can I tell you guys, he delights in that. Anybody that is a parent in this room right now can vouch and tell you that you delight in time with your kids. You were made by God from the very beginning of time to, to walk with God, to know him. He says, for, for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. I didn't understand this when, before I was a dad. Actually, kids kind of grossed me out, just being honest. They would sit there and they'd be like, oh, he pooped through his diaper. And I'm like, why would you want to hold that? I mean, like, wow, that's a straw. I mean, just like all these weird things. And I'm like, kids are just gross. Just, you know, in a lot of ways. And you can't deny that, okay? They just like, until they're yours. Until they're yours. And, and it, the weirdest thing comes, there's a bond between you and your kids that is indescribable. Amen. I, I remember... I remember going home, looking forward to going home to walk into the house. And I, when Jordan was born, we had an apartment at the time. And I'd be like, where's Jordan? And Jenny says, well, he's sleeping right now. I'm like, do you think it'd be okay for me to wake him up? And I would, I, when, he, when he would wake up or she'd let me get him up, I'd go in there and just hold him on the couch. And it's just the weirdest thing. I would just hold him. And he like, what did he do for you? He didn't talk to me. He didn't cut the grass. He didn't pay rent. He didn't jump up and help clean the house. Nothing. I simply, passionately enjoyed his presence. You say, why? Because that is my boy. That is just, that's, that's my boy. And I tell you, anybody that's in a parent in here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You go, man, what would I do with my kids and how much I enjoy it? The other day I was doing Connecting Point in this room, and you guys know that I come in here, and I went from person to person, praying and talking and ministering and things like that, and I walked out that door right there, and there's Morgan. I'm like, why are you still here, sweetie? She goes, do you have lunch plans today? And I said, I don't. She goes, how about me and you go get lunch today? And I am like, yes! Like, I didn't do that verbally, because, you know, I'm a cool dad. I'm like, yeah, we could do that. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, just like, I, I, you can say that is weird, but when they get older and they've got friends and they're, you know, all these other things, it, it, it delights me. It, 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 it's, it's exciting that they want to spend time with me. Amen. And, and I'll tell you, I took her out to lunch. I took her out to dessert and I took her out for coffee. I'm like, what else do you want to do? You want to go shopping? You want, what do you want to do? Because my daughter wanted to spend time with me. 
And I, I think sometimes we forget just, just sometimes uh, I, I want to spend time with God. But can I just pause and say he wants to spend time with you? Change the mindset of thinking about prayer is the fact that you were created for fellowship, that he delights in you. He wants to spend time with you. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He delights in you. It's, it's, it's different, even the little things. My, Jordan is different than my other kids. He, like Logan, I'll text Logan and say, how you doing, bud? I'm thinking about you, whatever. And he'll just send me an emoji. Thumbs up. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Jordan will walk through Home Depot and he'll FaceTime me going through the two aisle and say, Dad, guess what they have now? Did you see this? And I'm like, that is super cool. He goes, they have like three different versions of it and different batteries for it, whatever. I've never like, why are you bugging me right now? I don't even need that tool. I just love the fact that the simple things in life, he comes to me just wanting to tell me about it. Do you know how that's applied in scripture? The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. In every aspect of my life, I can just don't take this out of context, but I can FaceTime my Lord. I can seek the face of my Lord and Savior any time of the day for anything. And you say, well, that's too small. Nothing is too small with my God. Nothing. Absolutely. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into the closet. When thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father. Out of all the titles that he could have possibly used, when it comes to praying, he inserts it, pray to your Father. Do you know why? Because if I have the mindset that that is my dad, I will talk to him in a way that I wouldn't if he was just Elohim, Jehovah God, distant. And don't get me wrong, those are all powerful things. But sometimes I just have to unload my chest what's going on in my life to my heavenly Father. How do you pray? We struggle, am I doing this right? And thou, when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love praying, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they might be seen of men. Verily I say unto you that they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into a closet. When thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they shall hear, be heard of their much speaking. Be not therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. Jesus was saying when he was talking about prayer, he was comparing to the Pharisees. And he stops right there and he says, I'll tell you what prayer is about, but let me tell you what it's not about. Prayer is not a performance. Which literally meaning, I don't care who you are, you can't do it wrong. You can't do it wrong. Because the opposite was the Pharisees that would go out and say, Oh, dear Father, I come before you. I, you know, all the, the fancy words. And everybody else was standing around like, Ooh, ah, wow. Thinking in their mind, I'll never be able to talk or pray like that. Jesus steps into it and says, Yeah, please don't do that. Please. Just, that, that is vain. It's empty. It's showy. It's like, so if you get into thing, and sometimes people are able to use all the names of God and be able to pray and, and, and do all these different things because they've been, but God's not impressed with the fact that you were saying big words or you repeat the same thing. What was Jesus saying this, saying through this prayer is not a performance. It, it is, it is not to impress people. Like we said, it's, it is relational. 
So, so don't be afraid to do it. Actually, I, I honestly believe that some of the most authentic, powerful prayers are new Christians. It's when they, when they haven't just gotten into those routines where they just rattle off prayers. And I've been with people when they were saved, and some of us would be like, oh, I don't think they said that prayer right. They'll be, I've literally been with people that have cussed in their prayers. And because they just don't know that's how they talk. And they're like, God, I, I, I guess you know who I am, and uh, I'm pretty messed up. And God, I, I need you, according to what Pastor Tony's sitting here saying. And I, you know, and they're just, they're just talking authentically like they're talking to me. And I'm thinking, that's what prayer is. Just talk to God rather than trying to impress them with using old English or fancy words. It's it's, they're, they're just being honest. And, and they just share their heart before God. But he, he said in, in verse 5, When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. A hypocrite was somebody, that an actor that just assumed a character. They're just putting on a play. So let me tell you, I would never do that. If there's things heavy on your heart, but you still go before God and you're praying, say, God, I love you today, and thank you for a good day, and thank you for our food, and thank you for these kids, and thank you for this. And God says, huh, why'd you leave off that you were so bitter at me today? Why'd you leave out that you literally were so broken over your job today that you, you wanted to walk on quit? Why are you not telling me that? Who, who, who are you trying to impress right now? Because I'm telling you, that's not the real you. You're putting on a show and God knows your heart. The, the, the thing is, just be real with God. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't fake it. Don't you know, I, I remember, let me, let me tell a story about my mom. Don't tell her that I told this story, okay? Because I, I, I have the coolest mom in the world. But I, and, and any kid in here would be able to vouch for this. When my mom had five kids and we were close in age, and sometimes we'd get on my mom's nerves. Okay, that's just the truth. And mom would be like, why are you doing that? And get out there and finish the grass like I said. And how many times did I tell you to clean your room? And you, she's just going at it like, do your homework. I said, do your homework. And I remember when my mom, when she tell us to clean our room, don't tell her I said this. Uh, and, and she would go in there and she said, I told you to pick up your room. She'd do this as punishment. She would go in there and take every one of our drawers and dump them on the floor, put our drawers back and says, now clean your room. And she'd walk out. My mom was not a mean mom at all, but she, she knew how to address three teenage boys in the house and keep us in line. And I, now I love and respect my mom because she was hard on us, but she loved us. But when the phone rang, she'd be like, ah, oh, hello, how are you? Oh, it's so great to hear you. And I'm like, hypocrite. <laughs> that is not you, mom, at all. I'm like, what are you doing? It's like, that is not authentic whatsoever. But I think sometimes we do that with God. And he said, when, that, when you pray, use not vain repetition as the heathen do, which is just empty words because you're going through motions of just saying words to God. For they think they shall be heard of their much speaking. It's not just saying words to God. It's speaking from your heart. He said, when thou, when thou prayest, enter into the closet. When thou shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. Visualize what God is saying here. He was literally acting out or doing this. It's in a closet doesn't have to be the closet like we know of doing that. A closet was just a, a, a closed off place. It's like you come in home and God's saying to you, if he was, in, if he was your father, he'd be like, how, how are you doing? I'm fine. You're not fine. I, I don't want to talk about it. 
Shut the door. Shut the door. Sit down. This is, this is what God's saying. When you pray, this is how I want you to pray. I want you to tell me what's on your heart. Have you ever done that with your spouse or somebody who's like, it's fine, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk. And then you start talking and it's three hours later because there is so much that you need to get off your chest. And the Father says, you can pray to me in secret, which literally means that's a place of safety. There's nothing you can say to him. Do you understand it's more than just... I need, to, I need to ask God for, for money. I need to ask him for this. God is saying, I just, you, just, you need to tell me what's on your heart. You need to get this off your chest. Shut the door. Let me tell you, corporate prayer is important. It is vital what we're going to do tonight. Personal prayer at the table with your family of, hey, guys, let's pray. And, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so, let's pray about that tonight. And I, we, we did that dinner tonight with my family, just praying about different things. But there's a different level of prayer when you shut the door and you get alone with God and you fall down on your face and you're able to pray to him as a father that you can say anything to, the darkest things that you've done, the thought life that you have, you're not going to shock him. He already knows. He wants to know. That secret is a safe place. He says, for your father knoweth the things that you have needed before you ask. He says, I already know. I already know your anger problem. I already know these things. And the thing is, let me tell you, you know, there's certain people that I would not go to and, and tell them things that I'm going through in my life. And you say, why would you do that? Why would you hold back? I'm not close to them. Can I tell you, I don't show the scared side of me to people that I don't know. But the closer I get to that person, the more you're real you're going to be with them. That's why the Bible is describing that we should have a relationship with God in such a way that you know that you have a place of telling him anything and everything. He is your dad. He'll never walk out. He'll never stop loving you. And he cares about everything that you say. He says, casting your care upon him. Why? For he cares for you. He cares for you. Two parts of that verse that he's saying there. I care about what you're dealing with. I care about the burdens that you have. I care about the fear that you have. He cares but understand the idea of experiencing the care of God starts with casting your care upon him. And I put this in there. Casting literally in the description of this is, is to let go or to throw it on him or, or to relinquish, to be able to just, just when you're unloading on somebody and you're so worked up, God says, I want you to give it to me. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. You know, sometimes why we feel so distant from God, because we don't unload on God. Casting your care upon him, just letting it go that, God, I'm hurting. I'm scared. I don't get this. I'm mad. The Bible says, be careful, or the word there means anxious for nothing, but in everything in prayer. Do you know what I believe that one of the reasons that our generation today, this world today, talks about being so anxious or filled with anxiety is because we have lost the concept of the secret place with God. It is, it is and I'm telling you, everything that we're talking about will never, ever be found by praying at the dinner table. And I'm not telling you not to do that. But I am telling you that when Jesus said to pray, he said, enter the closet, shut the door, and pray to thy father, and, and talk to him openly about the things that you're dealing with. So if you have 
just the prayer life that you pray in your life group, which is important, and you have corporate prayer with your family and even with your spouse, and those things are important. But if you don't have that private time with God, you are missing out. And I believe that this is why we have so much anxiety, because God is the answer to it. The opposite of anxiety is peace. And if you are not going to the one that gives peace, then you're holding on to your anxiety. Where is that found? In the secret place of the Most High God in your quiet time. How to pray. Have a time set aside to spend with God. And I'm not talking about praying in your car, praying before your meals. I'm not talking against praying without ceasing. But I think a lot of Christians struggle with setting aside time with God. Remember what we talked about last week about God desires, craves, and demands the preeminence of our life? It's the same thing with our time, not just our money. God desires that I have time that I say, God, this half hour, 45 minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes, hour and a half, whatever it is that God lays on your heart, that you say, this is yours. Do you know why I believe that it's not just driving in the car and praying? praying? Because when the Bible says, get into that place and shut the door, it's literally this time that I'm giving you is all yours. I'm not combining it with feeding my family. I'm not combining it with that I'm walking through the store. I'm not combining. I'm not multitasking. God, you get this time. Shut the door and pray to your father. Talk to your dad because he desires to have a portion of your day. And for most of us, we would say that we struggle with this. I understand that we struggle with this. But I'll tell you, keep these things in mind. Do you, and just, I'm asking you because we have, we have to get serious about, do you set aside time with God? Today, did God get a portion of your day? You say, I'm too busy. I'm going to tell you right now, something needs to go. Amen. Something needs to go. I want to see God touch revival. God says, get back to Matthew 6. I want to see a breakthrough on my children and a breakthrough in church. I want to see the altars filled. I want to see the young people turn their hearts to God. Matthew 6. Matthew 6. Matthew 6. Matthew 6. I can imagine as Jesus went through, Lord, we need to see this. Matthew 6. You know, just come. Matthew 6. Matthew 6. This is it. I'm teaching you to pray. This is what it is. Do you have time every day to pray with God? And I'll tell you, in my relationship with Jen, I'll text her throughout the day. I'll call her throughout the day. I'll, I'll sit with her and talk with her at dinner. I'll do this. But last night, Jenny got home from trip that she went down to Alabama and came back. And she got home, and it was just me and her. And we sat on the bed and talked for like an hour and a half. Do you, do you know why? Because that is vital, not just combining with the fact that we're talking about needs or problems with the kids or hurts or whatever. We need time set aside for our relationship. Do you? And I'm asking you as brothers and sisters in Christ, do you have time set aside just for you and God? Do you do it in such a way that you eliminate distractions? Do you shut the door? You say, well, I pray when I'm driving down the road. I, and and I, I think that is a great time to pray. I love it. I love going on trips, turning off the radio and just praying. I love it. But let me tell you, you, you can't have total attention on God during that time. If you were, you're a reckless driver. Okay, just telling you right now. Maybe that's why some of you are running and don't use your turning signal. I'm so focused on prayer. So we get distracted. TV, phone, social media, schedules, all this. And I, I schedule, I, I struggle with this. I do. Let me tell you guys something just personally. And I'm not, I'm not trying to brag on myself or whatever. I just, I don't know anybody else but me. So you got to hear my heart, okay? Uh, I, I have fallen in love with my, with my, 
uh, AirPods, headphones, earbuds, Airbeans, whatever you got. I, I, I have, I struggle, and I'll admit, and some people in this room know that this is true, I struggle bad with ADD. I am, I am so distracted that sometimes it gets me to the point of being sick. I, I, I just have so many things going on that I am just like, whatever. So that I found out in my prayer life that was struggling because I couldn't stay focused to pray on anything. And what I found is when I can put that in, I can zone things out. If I pray in my office, I have to do that. If I get along with God, I can't even sometimes go in where people are. I'll pull my car and I'll park somewhere. I'm not saying this to brag or whatever. The only thing that I can do to teach you guys or, or to disciple or preach is to share what God's done in my life. But I have to eliminate distractions because if not, I pray for three minutes and I am texting somebody four minutes into it. And I think that that's an important thing. Know yourself to know what do I have to do to where I put my attention on God. Then the, the third thing is be real and honest with God. Pray to him. Confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You need time to do this. You realize that what we're talking about is a spiritual discipline. That's what we're talking about. But remember, you are battling against your flesh. If you say, I get distracted, I don't have time or whatever it is, that is your flesh that is getting in the way of your God. You have to, because all of us will be like, I know I should do this. I'm planning. I'm praying tomorrow. I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm doing it. Go ahead. Don't set a time. I promise you by tomorrow night, you'll be like, man, alive. The day just went by. We have to fight our flesh to make time to spend with God. When you do it, you will not regret it. I promise you, when you have a relationship with God in this way, I'm talking about the secret place of praying with God, you'll crave to get back to it. Find a time that works with you. Do not say, I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. to pray if you normally get up at 8. Just hear me out. You've scheduled yourself to fail. You might do it one day, but you won't do it every day. Okay, if, if you have this time in the evening that you get along with God to do this, but you, you know that you're worth nothing after 10. Don't schedule it for 10.30. Just know yourself. Work, find a time. Make a plan to do it. Don't wait for a time. Just say, uh, for now on, I'm going to sit in my car at lunchtime, read my Bible, and pray. Uh, I'm going to get up 30 minutes early and, and go park in the parking lot at work before I do that. I, I'm going to leave work but not go home, but pull in whatever you have to do. Put the kids to bed and then know that I normally go sit on the TV, but instead I'm going to do this. Make a plan and work the plan. Find someone to hold you accountable. If you're struggling with this, that's why we are a church, brothers and sisters in Christ. Have a devotional plan. Don't just do it. Uh, plan to read through the Bible. Read through the New Testament. Read through something. Go, go deep with this. Let, let me tell you, Christians that are seasoned Christians in this room, take it further than my daily bread. And I'm not preaching or teaching against my daily bread or all the cool apps that we have. But I'm telling you, open your Bible and start in a book and let God speak to your heart. And I'm not against the other things. I like where they say, read this verse and you read a verse and it says, let me tell you, and you read the little comment. And that's all great stuff. But I think that there is a difference between the milk and the meat. Yeah. We have too many people that are bottle fed and they need to learn how to pick up a steak knife. Because we're, we're, a lot of us that have been saved for 20, 30 years, it's time to go deeper. 
Start off simple. Don't say I'm going to read 10 chapters every day if you're not reading anything right now. You can read 10 chapters. Go for it, buddy. But if you get burnt out, just, just learn to read a verse every day, if that's a start, or a chapter every day. Don't, don't start in Leviticus, okay? Just if, you, if you're doing this, don't start. You, you say, I don't know what I mean by that. Go home and read it tonight, and then you'll know what I mean next week, okay? Uh, read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read through 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. Read through the book of Psalms. Read three Psalms a day, one Psalm a day. Read through the Proverbs. There's 31 of them. You can do it in a month. Do, turn to 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and read through those. Those are great books. But start off in such a way that it's going to feed you rather than the book of Leviticus where it's going to be like, whoa, they said not to eat and cut. What? You know, just like over your head. Use a physical Bible when possible to eliminate distractions. When you pray, use conversation with God. If you're used to praying for lists, and I'm telling you guys, this is how a lot of us, when we pray, we do this. Dear God, I ask you to be my, my brother and my dad. I ask you to be with my friends. Lord, just help us with this. Help us with that. Help us with this. And Lord, be here. Be here. Be here. Do this. Do this. Do this. Do you know what I call that? I call it bullet points. Sometimes that's how we pray with God is bullet points. Bam, 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 bam. Do you talk to anybody in that way? No. But turn your, your prayer life from bullet points to paragraphs. Start talking to him like a friend and just share your heart. Praise him, thank him, go through things. Read your Bible, stop in your Bible and just say, wow, God, I need you in that way. And God, I, I, I failed you and I, I don't understand how I've done this and not seen that for so long, but God, I'm sorry. Read this, Lord, you are, you are that provision. And God, right now, I need you to be that provision. And God, let me seek you in the morning the way that you did. Two-way conversation with God. If you miss a day, pick it up and do it the next day. Just be, oh, I lost my habit. I was on a streak and I did it. For, who, that's fine. Just get up and do it again. Just do it again. Let, let me close with what is fasting. You say, why are you doing this? Fasting is part of your prayer life. It should be part of the Christian life. It's, it, let, let me show you this. We're, we're like, when Jesus, when I'm talking about this powerful teaching in Matthew chapter 6, okay? And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. That's Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Does it, would everybody say that's important? Yeah. Okay, help me out here. Say amen or something. Like saying amen. amen. Okay. Would verse 16 be just as important as verse 5? Yeah. Did God say, now I'm going to have more teaching, but you don't have to really pay attention to this? Or this is not as vital. Moreover, when ye fast. He changes the subject, but he does not change the importance. And do you understand what the teaching of prayer comes right alongside of it, the teaching on fasting? He does not change chapters. He is on the same vibe and importance of this is what you do. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites. He said the same thing. It's a sad countenance, and they disfigure their faces that they might appear unto men to fast. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fast, anoint thy head and wash thy face, that thou might appear not unto men to fast, but unto the Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee open. Do you understand that he takes it right to the same vein, the same importance as praying? It is, it is for us today to say, why don't we have spiritual breakthroughs or see God work? Could it be that we say, I'm going to pray to God, and God says, oh, don't forget fasting. And it's like, oh, whatever. We're Americans. We, we, don't, we don't go between meals without snacks or coffee or 
whatever. I mean, that's just who we are. You, you think about Americans are known in other countries as the ones that have biggie sizes at McDonald's. They make fun of us for that because other countries don't have that kind of stuff. We are very self-absorbed. Instant gratification, feeding our flesh, this is what I want. The word fast means to abstain from food, religiously to fast. The root word literally means just not eating. Fasting is a spiritual discipline that helps us to control our flesh. Do you know the reason that we don't pray more? It's me. I'm going to pray as I crawl into bed. Dear Heavenly Father, I mean, just boom, we're out. I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to get up early in the morning and pray. Why don't you? Your flesh. You hit the snooze five extra times, and then you not only not get up early, but you're late for work. And our, our flesh is our, our, our thing. Do you understand that flesh, uh, our, our fasting is a spiritual discipline that helps us control our flesh when we often forget to pray, but we never forget to eat. We don't forget to eat. Do you know why you'll be doing it? Like your stomach will growl, go, oh, I'm so hungry. What is the word that we use? What's the word, guys? Starving. starving. That is a lie. You are not starving. Not at all. You probably go three weeks without eating and still not be starving. We're Americans. It's just, we, we've got a surplus built up. We're ready, okay? We struggle with our flesh. And the Bible says that our flesh is corrupt, that I know in me dwelleth no good thing. Our flesh is weak. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Your spirit indeed is willing, but your flesh is weak. You know what holds us back from revival? Our flesh. Don't say the devil. Because the devil knows in a lot of our situations that our flesh is in control. And he says, man, they're, they're all taken care of. When you fast and you say, this is no big deal. I've got control over my flesh. Just fast for a day. By the end of the day, you'll think, I am dizzy. I'm going to die. I truly believe that if you're going to truly understand what fasting is, go more than one day because the first day your body is just screaming for chocolate. It is, it is, it is a liar. I'm telling you, I, I, have, I have learned this from fasting myself that the first day your body is just like, you're not going to make it. And you're like feeling so weak and because your body is so used to getting its way. When you deny your flesh, you say, if any man's going to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Do you understand the importance of it? In the same way that tithing and giving and things like that is a spiritual discipline of putting God first, I believe that fasting is a spiritual discipline of, uh, of telling our flesh no. Then you go into the mindset of prayer. And all of a sudden that you realize that you want God more. Fasting is another way of just saying, God, I know I'm hungry right now, but I want you more. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. It's just exchanging in our flesh one craving for another. Fasting is a weapon for spiritual breakthroughs. When it's fasting is mentioned in the Bible, the Bible talks about the boy that was possessed and they could not cast him out. And he said, how be it, this goeth not, but by fasting and prayer. Daniel, Esther, David, Anna, Paul, and much more. You see where spiritual breakthroughs came through? It's because they denied their flesh. They got to the point of understanding that I cannot do this. And I need God. And we step it up. Fasting is not for an everyday thing. It's not for an everyday thing. 
but it is for a time and a season. And the Bible says that it's to be a regular part of our Christian life, the same way that prayer is a regular part of our Christian life. He says, moreover, when you pray, moreover, when you fast. It doesn't say, moreover, if you want to fast or if you fast. It says, no, when you fast. Isn't it interesting that we would say about the importance of praying, but we don't talk about the importance of fasting? So the question is, how long do I fast? What, what matters? Just remember, it's not about, God, I gave up three meals, so I need you to answer this prayer. It, it's not a negotiation thing with God. It's not a self-sacrifice like they would for the false gods of the Old Testament and things like that they would do. It, it was an example uh, of uh, different people in the Bible that they were just seeking after God from their hearts. It's an attitude of just from the hearts. So, so here's some advice. Have a fasting plan before you start. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to fast on Monday. I'm, I'm going to give up a meal during the week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast through lunch on Thursdays or whatever, because if you don't plan to do it, your mindset will always be, I'll just do it next week or tomorrow. Have a plan going into it. Uh, and there's different variations of it. You know, it, it could be no sugar, no pop, nothing. I believe the biblical traditional fast in the Bible is no food. And, and that's just it. And I know there's alternate fast. And the reason why I know there's alternate fast, because Daniel, when we talk about the Daniel fast in the Bible, that he refused to eat the king's meat and drink of the king's wine. And he had an alternate fast of doing that. And I know that there's people in this room that are diabetic I know there's some people that are on medicines that you have to have food. You're saying, well, I can't fast. Deny yourself and use that time for God, and you just describe fasting. Now, I do believe that the traditional fast is truly, if you're able, is just to give up food. One meal, one day, two days a week, just do it. The, the purpose of this is no, uh, saying no to your flesh and focusing on God. So there is an absolute fast, which is traditionally just no eating. There's a partial fast from abstaining from particular foods, cutting out coffee, sugar, carbs, processed food, a liquid fast, abstaining from all solid foods. Alternate fast would be refraining from Netflix, or I'm going to turn off social media, or I'm going to not watch TV, or I'm going to give up video games or crossword puzzles or whatever might be your thing. But where do you start? One day, one meal, one time. Just start. Just like I'm talking about reading your Bible or anything else, just start and just do it. I, I truly believe that this lesson is vital. Not that we just retained a lot of information. I believe it is important because of living this out. Do you know the spiritual victory that we would have if everybody in this room, and I truly mean everybody in this room, if we could, not that I would do this, if next Wednesday just say, every day this week, I carved out 10 minutes, 5 minutes, 30 minutes, and I made a priority, not just to pray, but again to the secret place of the Most High God. And I shared my heart and spent time with my Savior. It would change our church and change our families.